0: move over boys it's time for she's on the mic with bethany bowman on sports radio 810 whb
1: good evening and welcome into she's on the mic i'm your host bethany bowman 68 degrees outside today it felt amazing out there i walked out my door and it really felt like baseball and soccer season so to celebrate this beautiful weather We're going to talk some Sporting Kansas City soccer and Royals baseball here tonight. Both teams looking for big years. Of course, Sporting coming off of a nice playoff run to the Western Conference semifinals of the MLS Cup last season. Royals have made a splash this offseason, signing guys left and right. Now they're down in Arizona with spring training well underway. Sporting Kansas City will play a game this Saturday, February 24th. They'll be in Houston to take on the Houston Dynamo. We'd love to bring on the show now to help us get ready for Sporting Kansas City's big season opener this weekend. Daniel Sperry of the Kansas City Star covering Sporting Kansas City and the Kansas City Current. Thank you so much, Daniel, for being with us. I appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, no problem. Always enjoy talking soccer.
1: Well, we'll save the Kansas City Current for another show because they've got a little time. Their season opener, not until March, but Kansas City, uh, Sporting Kansas City, that is, starting here this weekend. They're going to be in Houston taking on the Dynamo. Ironically, uh, they ended the season with Mm -hmm. a game uh, versus the Dynamo and obviously, you know, ended their year. But uh, exciting to, you know, get another crack at a team that you last saw. What are you expecting from this first match, I, I think every team is still kind of figuring out about themselves, but a lot to be excited for for this season.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that are trying to figure out a lot about themselves, and I'll be honest, I don't know how much of that sporting has to do just because of the fact that their roster is pretty much the same. I mean, there's no Gotti of That's one of the biggest absences, and yes, Roger Espinoza and Grant Zussi, uh in terms of, Uh, The weight of their names, uh, you know, the legacies that they carry, their presence on the roster is a big absence. But in terms of minutes, in terms of who was a contributing team and the reason why Sporting dug themselves out of a terrible hole that they dug themselves, the first place, um, you know, those guys are all returning. And so this team is a Sporting team that is just like they know what they are and they know what what they need to do, and it's more – kind of like fine-tuning things. It's going to be a really interesting first game. This Houston team actually played last night, um, and every single one of their, you know, in Major League Soccer, you get three designated players, um, and they're three big names, high earners, very good players. And I think every single one of them is injured at this point now. Um, Houston had their first competitive match last night uh, playing in St. Louis um, in uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, and they – so they they lost 2-1 to St. Louis. Um, they looked okay, but they don't look like the Houston team uh, that beat Sporting KC in the playoffs at all. Um, they're missing so many key players. And, you know, having just played... You know, on Tuesday night, going to do a home game on Sunday, then having to play again um, in a knockout format that you have to, they have to win that game to advance um, to the next round. I mean, it's going to make this game really interesting from the Dynamo's perspective. And in a way, I think it kind of plays into sporting's hands a little bit.
1: Yeah, you said it. It's uh, going to be a very familiar team that, uh, you know, we're used to and saw last season. And that could be, I guess, a good and a bad thing. You know, we saw a team at the beginning of the year that uh, it was 11 games into the season before Sporting got into the win column. But then eventually they made a playoff run to the Western Conference semifinals. And so I would love to see that team again. Kind of just talk about uh, the roster. It looks like 24 returners and two newcomers. Mm -hmm. If you could um, just tell us about those two newcomers and what they might bring to the team.
2: Yeah, so there's a, there's a, there's actually a few more newcomers there. I think there's four total that have been signed to new contracts, if I remember right. Is that two open roster spots? Um, the, the the team obviously, you know, the big, the biggest in terms of minutes and I think presence and production on the field um, departure was Gadi Kinda. Um, he returned to his home country of Israel um, uh, after his contract ran out, and um, you know I think it's it's interesting because you're kind Kenda's production was incredible. Um, He's a designated player, but the amount of times that he was not on the field was just too much, um, really, over the last four years that they've had him. Um, Eric Tommy played the bulk of the minutes at that position over the last two seasons. And I think Eric Tommy is going to be the guy again, that's going to play the bulk of the minutes at that position. And I think um, he'll do a good job. Um, They're different players. They do different things. They have different um, aspects uh, about them that make them good. Uh, Eric Tommy is also a designated player. So you're not, it's not like you don't have a designated player in that spot. Um, So it's a, it's a weird spot because I think sporting still have opportunity um, either now or maybe in the summer to add more firepower, uh, more quality on the top end of this roster. But, um, you know, the four signings that they've made this offseason have been big uh, boosts to the bottom end of the roster. Um, I think Verme said it yesterday. You know, there are some guys at the at the bottom of. Uh, the roster last year that when they got minutes, they were just bodies on the field and they weren't really doing much. And um, there's a very high, um, I wouldn't say expectancy, but a very high anticipation for what these guys can potentially do in some of their minutes. So two of the biggest um, additions, two of the biggest additions this offseason, I think, are Memo Rodriguez, who's a midfielder. Um, he is uh, a veteran in MLS. Um, he's 28, so he's not he's not terribly young, but um, still kind of in his prime. He's spent five, six years with the Houston Dynamo before last year splitting it um, between Los Angeles Galaxy and Austin FC. Um, he's, he's a known quantity. He's a he's a good midfielder who, at times, when he gets in the game, will um, you know provide quality uh, going forward and a, a good amount of bite uh and fight in the in the defensive side of the field and then um you know the one that i think was really intriguing is this young kid named eleni Svargas. um he played with sporting kc2 last year um, which is kind of sporting between the academy and pro um, development side and he was so good so impactful um when he was there that they signed him to a first team deal and he came into camp um, a little out of shape, uh, just not really knowing what to expect and what to bring to the first um, pro camp, and uh, very quickly got in shape and started turning heads very quickly. Uh, scored a goal um, in their last preseason friendly. Um, out jumping uh, a, a you know a veteran defender for MLS for a header um, in a play that he created in the first place. Um, he's 20 years old. He's incredibly athletic, incredibly fast. I don't know how many like games he's going to start. I do anticipate seeing him off the bench a lot though, like late in games. As just kind of. He's, he's large. He's six one, six two. maybe. He's going to be physically um, imposing in size, but he's got blazing speed um, and a really good nose for goal. So um, he'll be an interesting addition to kind of cause some headaches for teams late in matches, um, especially, you know, sporting or trying to defend a, league. He, a lead. He's somebody that you have to account for on the counter. And then um, we made two other additions more towards the back of the of the team in the defense, they um, got Zoran Basong, uh, a decent left back. He's young, um, had some time in MLS before. Um, I think he'll be an adequate backup to Tim Leibold, and you know we'll see what happens with the left back situation once Logan and Denbe, who was a you know massive star down the down the stretch for them, and even in the playoff series against St. Louis, tore his ACL in that home match against St. Louis. And, and then and he scored the the first goal of the match, and Sporting won that two to one over St. Louis to eliminate them. You know, and Denbade's gonna miss the first half of the year. And so it'll be mostly um Tim Leibold there, but Zoran song is behind him and they like what they've seen from him in uh the preseason to help him out. And then they they added a goalkeeper through the draft um as the third goalkeeper. So he you know, the the pecking order there's at the goalkeeper spot, still stays the same with Tim Milia and John Pulskamp, and then uh, Ryan. Um, I'm not I'm not great on his pronunciation yet. I haven't <laughs> been given a pronunciation guide, but Peter Vermees said Sheaway the other day. Um, I've also heard it shoe. Um, so we'll see, but, uh, he's a, a decent young keeper and we'll see kind of where his development goes over the next year, but, yeah, a, a little bit of additions on the bottom end of the roster, two open roster spots, including one of them being a designated player spot. So I don't know that this team is done adding necessarily. Um, to who they will be and the team that you'll see kind of towards the end of the season. Um, the question is just when do they pull the trigger and add another designated player, um, whether that be by the end of this primary window, which is in April, or if they wait until the summer, which means the player doesn't join until mid-July. You know, I think they're really focused on getting the right fit at that spot.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad, uh, you know, you said that you didn't even know how to pronounce something because me, <laughs> me looking at a, a soccer roster is uh, bad news. Um, I never know how to say a lot yeah. of names, but that's the cool thing. You know, so many guys from so many different backgrounds and nationalities, um, mm-hmm. you know, he definitely got some cool names and some hard to pronounce names. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that we, um, we heard Peter Vermees this offseason saying, you know, you're not – if you're sporting, just going to make a move just to add a guy, you know, you want it to be the right fit, especially, you know, replacing guys like Gotti Kenda, um, Mm -hmm. you know, important positions like that. Um, So, like you said, they could definitely wait and and make some different transactions throughout the season. Uh, What do you think the biggest need though for sporting Kansas city is right now? Obviously we haven't seen them play an actual match. We'll get that Saturday and maybe we'll get some more answers, but through the preseason, is there anything that sticks out to you that uh, is a, a real pressing need?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I do think the ability to, I mean, Gadi Kinda and Tommy are very different players, like I said earlier. And I think the, the ability to kind of, ha- when both were healthy, the ability to pick and choose either the hot hand or a matchup based choice um, in the midfield and be really uh, deliberate with kind of the, the lineup in the midfield based on, you know, what the opponent was doing and what the opponent does um, very well. I think. Is something that's not lost. I still think that they need maybe another um, higher caliber player in the midfield. And you know, they were chasing that with Kellen Acosta. And I know some of the other um, choices they were looking at were also kind of in that position. The other area that I think, actually, depth wise, could use some help at center back, I-, I don't know if they'll. Um, use their center back, uh, use a designated player spot on a center back. Um, It's not very common in Major League Soccer to do that. Um, And usually by the time, you know, the players, the center backs that you're getting in that, role sometimes are on the older end and i think this is a roster that probably is looking to be younger and especially you know vermice told me the other day that if you um... you know you want to make a three or four year commitment with a guy well you're not gonna want to make a three or four year commitment on a thirty five year old defender um... Mm -hmm. you know that takes a giant financial commitment you want to do something a little bit younger so maybe more in their prime and someone that you know you can kind of keep through their prime so I don't I don't know that they'll use it at that spot. I think most likely that they'll use the designated player spot in the midfield, but um I will kinda go back to twenty twenty two. Um, you know, Gotti Kinda at that time, uh during the entirety of the primary transfer window, which is the first transfer window that starts from January and goes through like the first full two months of the season basically. Um, They did not know till the very end of that that Gotti Kendo would need to have season ending surgery. Um, And it created, all of a sudden, it created a very okay, we are not going to get a number 10 at all uh, back healthy. So we have to go find one. And I think that is um, something to look at that, like the way things play out, we'll have almost had two months by the end of the window. Um, the positional need may change. Somebody might get hurt and you're like, well, we really need to replace this guy um, because there's not adequate replacement on the roster. So maybe we have to go make that investment there. Um, So like I said, I I think most likely um, the the two areas that I see that need the most kind of in the midfield and, um, and on the back line, but I also, um, you know, let's say, you know, knock on wood, hopefully this wouldn't happen, but let's say Johnny Russell gets hurt. Um, big question then is, can you rely on some of these guys like Stephen Afrifa or Lenny Vargas, who I was just talking about? Um, to fill that spot, and if you can't, then can you go You know, use your designated player spot there? So I think that's that will be the, the, the interesting thing that plays out over these next couple months, and if they're all healthy, then, then I still think the, that that center back in that midfield spot is open, but there, there, you just can't, with the way injuries happen in sports, you just can't uh, totally hone in on one spot that might completely change in a month's time.
1: Absolutely. And we uh, saw that with Logan and Dinbe and, you know, he had such an impact in the playoff run last year. And then uh, obviously a very devastating season ending. And, you know, it's going to go into this season, too, with that ACL tear. Uh, He was so positive the last time we talked to him. Um, It it was very fresh. You know, he had just found out and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, he said he was going to be very intentional about his rehab and do everything he can to become um even better back on on the field when he gets back have you talked to him lately and how is his uh, rehab going for that acl yeah. injury
2: yeah he's uh i have not talked to him recently i think he's doing he did the surgery and uh majority of the rehab um in belgium and i think he is still in belgium if i recall um he has not joined up with the team yet i think he will closer um, to the end of his recovery. And Bay had, when he was younger, had an ACL injury on his other leg. Um, and so he's been through the process, the recovery process before, um, and that recovered really, really well. So I think for him, it was about being a little bit closer to home and family as uh, through the rehab process, as well as with someone that he knows um, can help rehab him from uh, that injury before and you know keep him at a, the level that he was at you know at the at the end of last season. So. Um, Logan has always been an upbeat guy uh, and so I don't I don't expect anything less of him uh, you know when he does come back to the team here kind of closer to his return but yeah uh, I think um, you know from from all reports his recovery process is going good and it should be on track for kind of that June timeline that they were originally targeting for his return
1: good good to hear I can't wait to have him back and uh Man, it's talking about this is making me think back to November and those just such such a fun time to, you know, not only if I didn't go uh, covering the team like I was I would go as a fan like I was so into this sporting Kansas City uh, playoff run. So I'm hoping for another great season. And, um, you know, Jake Davis, I saw you talk to him and posted something on your ex-page, and he said that this team has been working really hard not to start the same way that they did last season. I think it would be pretty hard to, uh, you know, have the slow start that they did once again, but just how important will it be for this team to get out a little bit hotter than they did last season?
2: Yeah, obviously it's incredibly important, right? I mean, if you look at, even if they I think if you look at it, there there was a, a few of the games that they played in that stretch that were winnable games, or points from a winning position, or games against teams that they should have beaten that they tied. Um, you know, an inch, a shot, an inch to the left ends up with a win and three points. I think it's incredibly you know, the, the amount of teams that have gone ten games winless <laughs> to start a season in MLS is incredibly small, and so there's a reason why it's so rare to do that. And I think. Um, one of the contributing main contributing factors to that was the amount of injuries and guys that weren't fully in the squad yet. I, I was looking back at it, I think five of the uh, – one, two, three, four, five, yeah, six of the 11 starters from their uh, last playoff game um, – their last home game, the game against St. Louis, uh, were not healthy and starting um, at the start of the season, and I think that that tells you just how much of their um, firepower, how much of their ability was kind of wiped away from those injuries or the you know the delayed rehabs um, of Alan Polito and Logan Ndenbe, or not not Logan Ndenbe, but uh, Gadi Kinda, those two players coming mm-hmm. back from health. I, it was just this crazy perfect storm and the guys that they did have were kind of losing confidence because nothing was hitting the back of the net and it just went a little wild and I think once they got it back then you saw who this team was and I think that with the team that isn't that's coming in as not injured as they are right now I mean the only There's there's no injuries to what you would expect to be the starting group. Um, Johnny Russell did have a bit of a hamstring tightness uh, that held him out of the last preseason game, but he was in training all yesterday. So, um, you know, Jake, in that video that I posted, talked about the level of fitness that everybody came in with. And I think that's one thing, too, that people have pointed out about why, you know, there haven't been very many injuries in this camp is that, there were, especially as there were in the last couple of years, they were very intentional about their off-season program um, and getting guys into camp at the right level of fitness. And if they didn't come into camp at the right level of fitness, they managed it really well um, with a kind of a different plan to help avoid um, further damage and injuries and, you know, trying to not have guys being playing through things, if they tweak their ankle, okay, well you're going to sit out for a few days. And we're going to take it really slow, um, you know. So I think those things. I mean, the, the only injury that was picked up in camp was on Kyrie Shelton, and that was on a tackle that was given to him um, by another player in a preseason friendly, uh, you know, with another team in the league. So um, none of these were injuries, soft tissue injuries, uh, muscle injuries from you know being overworked or uh, not stretched or maybe you know out of shape. that that causes those things. So I think that level of commitment to fitness, I think, kind of shows that, one, the team's in the right place mentally, and, two, health-wise, I think they can avoid the disastrous start that they had to last season because I think it was a real perfect storm of a lot of things to create such an unprecedented situation in those first ten games of the year. Um, And I think that a lot of those factors are no longer factors this year.
1: Awesome. Well, they just wanted to give everybody a little head start, you know, and just make yeah. make, make it a little more fun when they when they did make the playoffs. <laughs> oh man, that was a fun season. And it does seem like sporting has had a really good preseason. I know some of these friendlies, um, a lot of just trying a lot of things out and um, looking at a lot of different angles. But uh, they did come away with um, some great results.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ended up with a couple of wins. I think there was only one loss um, in that time down there. So. Um, you know, I think, too, if you look at some of the way the results went, the ability and for fans who are have, have kind of complained about the lack of use of subs over the years and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, I think the, the depth of this roster is apparent when you look at the way some of those preseason games played out. Those second-team players came on and, you know, won a lot of games for in preseason for this team with their performances. And I think um, the ability for guys to find ways to – to impact the team off the bench um, is, is a good sign for the ability for sporting to rotate players, keep players healthy throughout the year, and um, you know be a team that uh, has the ability to bring some game changers and some, uh, you know, some firepower off the bench too. So um, a good preseason all around, I think, sporting, um, I, it's hard to read terribly deep into results in yeah. preseason because so many times teams are just trying things out here and there, but I think there's there's also something to read into the way in which teams get results, and I think um, that that fight uh, that you see from the team um, is, is a good sign heading into the regular season.
1: And not only a familiar roster, obviously Peter Vermees, a very familiar coach with this club. Eight teams in the MLS can't say that. However, there's going to be eight new managers. That's 27% yeah. of the entire league. That's quite a bit.
2: Yeah, it is, and there's uh, uh, some interesting choices there, too. I know Minnesota United just hired, I think, a guy who's maybe two years older than me, I think he's 31, 32, (laughs) something like that, um, to be their head coach. Uh, There's, uh, you know, I think there's a few faces that are new to teams that are, you know, old in the league. Uh, Caleb Porter in New England has MLS Cups in Portland and Columbus um, before, so uh, you know, I think there's, it, it's a interesting coaching carousel, and I think there's something to changing when you need to make change, and uh, continuity when things are, um, and and not making the knee-jerk reaction when things might be going bad, like they were last year. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, Vermees, I think Peter Vermees at this point is almost the, if not the longest tenured manager in the world. He is at least the second longest tenured head coach, active head coach in the world at the moment. So. Um, not a ton of change at the top there for sporting and I think sometimes that continuity can serve you well
1: uh, we're pretty close in age Daniel can you imagine in a couple years managing a professional soccer club
2: <laughs> I, I I don't even know if I can imagine managing my daughter's you know <laughs> six-year old seven-year- old soccer team whatever that would be in two years so um, yeah that's uh, that that's, that's insane um, you know we'll see how it works out for him I don't he doesn't have a ton of uh professional coaching experience I don't know who would at 31 but um at the same time you know obviously they've seen something in, them in Minnesota to, to pull the trigger there so uh yeah it's very uh, to watch the carousel around the league is always an entertaining time in the offseason um I think especially for sporting KC fans knowing kind of the continuity that they have uh, going on with their own organization
1: so obviously, big game Saturday, season opener in Houston. But then we can't forget about on March second, Sporting KC is back home taking on Philadelphia, 7:30 p.m. Just crazy to me. It seems like this was such a short offseason. It I guess it is when you you know win some games mm-hmm. into the into the postseason. But already back here, uh, games at Children's Mercy Park. That's going to be fun.
2: Yeah, and I, I've heard there's a few new bells and whistles to uh, what they're going to do at Children's Mercy Park, kind of refreshing the little game day atmosphere. So I've heard some things. Can't I don't I can't fully divulge them, nor do I know the full scope of mm-hmm. it. But it does sound like they've uh, changed some things up to the match day experience. So it'll be um, an interesting time out there, just to kind of take it all in for the first time in 2024. But. I'm glad I got the year right on the first reference too, because goodness gracious, I'm still. I we're in February and I'm still struggling with what year it is at times. But uh, but yeah, you know, getting back to it, I always February is like the hardest month for me because it feels so close yet it's still far away and I'm just happy that you know as of you know today MLS is back uh, with Real Salt Lake in Miami tonight um, and then you know the full league slate uh, gets underway on uh, over the weekend and uh, just good to have uh, major league soccer back if you're a soccer fan
1: absolutely well thank you so much I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate you and your insight good luck in what is about to be your crazy busy season and yes. just hoping for uh, a great year for for sporting for the current we'll have you on uh, before they play and thanks again
2: yeah no problem thanks for having me and uh, always enjoy chatting talk with you
1: that was daniel sperry of the kc star jack johnson joining us next with an update from royal spring training
0: you're tuned in to she's on the mic with bethany bowman on sports radio 810 whb
1: Welcome back to She's on the Mic on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm your host, Bethany Bowman. Just wrapped up talking with Daniel Sperry of the KC Star on Sporting Kansas City. They're opening up the season on Saturday in Houston. But the Kansas City Royals play their first spring training game Friday versus the Texas Rangers. We've got coverage from Arizona all week long with Soren Petro and Jack Johnson. I want to check in and see how things are going down there, so let's bring on Jack Johnson of Sports Radio 810 WHB and Locked On Royals. Jack, thank you so much for being here with us. Of course, baseball season is here. You're down in Arizona. Tell us how everything's going down there.
0: Well, first off, thanks for having me on, Bethany. I always love uh, hopping on the show and talking some Royals, but it's been a blast down here. Uh, there's been a lot going on, lots of activity. Mm. Uh, gotten the chance to interview numerous players, a lot of coaches, and uh all these guys uh just seem so ready for the season the chemistry's there and uh they they can't get wait or they can't wait excuse me for uh, the game on friday so uh, a lot still to do here lots more practices drills going on but uh yeah they cannot wait to play uh texas i believe it is on friday at surprise stadium
1: yeah i think friday 205 p.m i think that's central time though Mm -hmm. um yeah. Big, big game. Start the spring training. And, you know, I just went back and watched some of our videos that we, some of the content that we got at Royals Rally and, um, you know, Nick Anderson, it, he was funny. He was a great interview. You know, there were a lot of people asking him like, well, what have you been doing? Like, you know, how, how do you expect the team? You know, just, and he was like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen the team. You know, what can you really do until you all get together? Off season workouts are great, but mostly for individual work and, and building things. Um, you know, for yourself as a player. But it's probably cool to get them all together and kind of see how things are coming together, especially for, you know, the Royals front office, coaches, everything. Anything that you've noticed uh, seeing the guys just, you know, being in a big group and being in a setting like that?
0: Yeah, I would say the chemistry is there for sure. Uh, These are guys that um, all enjoy being around each other. They've made the younger players, the minor league guys, feel comfortable. At least that's what they were telling me uh, on a couple of those open clubhouse sessions. Uh, we, We just... You know, we've been able to see these guys interact for a short period of time, but it really does feel like they've known each other uh, for quite some time. And it was kind of interesting. We heard from a couple of different people that Will Smith you know, brought in this offseason. He was a little bit of their their lead recruiter when they brought him in on a free agent deal. He went to J.J. Bacol and said, who else do you want? Who else do you need? I'll, I'll get to work myself here and make this a destination that players want to come to, free agents want to come to. And Michael Walker. Uh, told us, or it was Seth Lugo, I think. I think it was Seth Lugo who told Saran Petra on the program uh, that when he got his deal with Kansas City, the first p- person to congratulate him was Michael Walker, and then 24 hours later, Michael Walker's is in Kansas City. Uh, and I think it goes back to some college backgrounds as well. I think Chris Stratton, Adam Frazier, and one more guy I'm forgetting all played at Mississippi State, Hunter Renfro, I believe it was. So a lot of these guys coming in that are free agents, you would think, well, they got to get used to each other. They're all. You know, coming from different walks of life, different backgrounds, different teams, winning and losing cultures. Uh, these guys have known each other for a long time, and I think that is important this early on in the season, or I guess off season, I should still say, because it doesn't start for another month here before the Twins uh, come to Kansas City and take on the Royals on Opening Day. Mm-hmm. But it has been really cool to see uh, in terms of the on-field action. Uh, Michael Garcia has looked really good. Uh, bat's been or the ball's been flying off his bat. Um, I thought Salvador Perez looked good and healthy. Asked a lot of guys that are, are coming into camp off of injury if they'd felt healthy. Austin Cox is a guy that tore his ACL in September. He told me that he's ramping things up. He's feeling better. Chris Bubich, who had Tommy John, uh, he's been throwing. He actually threw today or yesterday, I believe that it was. Um, John McMillan spoke to him this morning. He's all good to go. Dan Altavia, another pitcher, minor league deal guy. Uh, he said that he's all good to go. Velocity looks good. Jake Brents appears to be healthy. So that is the good word so far. You don't have anybody, you know, kind of filing in as, well, I, I'm not there yet. I haven't had the ability to throw. Uh, I'm still working back up. You, you don't really have a lot of that. And there are some guys the Royals brought in on free agent deals that had their season cut short last year because of injuries. And uh, first and foremost, and even Mac Cotrero said that today, want to make sure these guys are healthy. Make sure these guys are 100%, 100% before you can start, you know, making those opening day projections.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Chris Bubich yesterday threw his first bullpen. So coming back from Tommy John uh, last April, did you have a chance to see him or hear how it went? How did that look?
0: Yeah, I I got a glimpse of it. Didn't get to see too much of it uh, just because there's so much going on on different fields. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes it it slips by you. You don't even know some guys throw the bullpen. It's so quiet, you know, they don't really announce it or anything like that. But all accounts were that it was was good. Um, No hangups there, no... Uh, nothing that flared up, and I'd imagine that is how it's going to go for Chris Bubich for a while. Uh, they're targeting, I think, a, a July return date, middle of the season. No need to rush him back, of course, but I have been pleased that uh, he's already been throwing. Um, there were no setbacks. Uh, no, it's not in you know full strength yet. He's not going out there and you know facing live hitters and really maxing out with his fastball. He's just slowly working back there. But it's always a good sign when you have a guy coming off Tommy John.
1: Have you had a chance to talk with Bobby Wood Jr in the spring training setting? Obviously, he signed his big contract, they held some pressers. He said everything that you say once you sign a big contract, you know, I'm mm. excited to be here and grateful to the Royals and all that kind of thing. But uh how's he look? Um anything he said this week stick out to you?
0: Well, he's been I would say the busiest man uh here in Surprise, <laughs> Arizona. He's had tons of people coming up to interview him. He's you know, in between getting his cage work in, in between uh, getting the fielding drills and these interviews on the side, he's, he's basically got no free time. And we all knew that was going to be uh, the exception, not only with the, you know, the big contract, even if there was no big contract in place, he is the star of this team. He is the, the icon of Kansas City right now, the, the Royals, I should say. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is the icon of Kansas City. Uh, but for the Royals in baseball here, he is uh, the face of the franchise right now. So uh, it was a very busy a couple of days for him. Lots of interviews. Uh, Petro had him on this morning, or at least talked to him this morning. I think he's got an interview later on today. So there's been some passing conversations, you know, uh, at times when you can, uh, oh, you know, just ask him how he's doing, how he's feeling, and, and as far as what we saw on the field, uh, got a chance to see about oh five minutes or so of his uh, batting practice the other day. He looks good. Um, Yeah, a lot of full swings there, 100% swings, and the ball was flying, a couple of them leaving the yard. It was exciting to see uh, because I know a lot of people have big expectation for him in 2024.
1: Looking at this, you know, full spring training roster here, obviously a lot of guys that are maybe getting their first spring training um, opportunity there uh, in big league camp, things like that has there been anybody from your own observation or through conversations that you've had this week with players or front office members um, that might be turning some heads?
0: Yeah, I think the name that came up a lot, he's not going to make, make the team won't be up in Kansas city for a while, but man, uh, the, the hype around Blake Walters, a draft pick from last year, I believe it was a second round pick from last year after Blake Mitchell, man uh, across the board, uh, Paul Gibson, you know, minor league pitching uh, coordinator, J.J. Piccolo raving about a kid like him. He's 18 years old. They said they saw him throw a bullpen session the other day, and he was sitting about 96, 97, 98, and he's 18. Uh, So, yeah, the the talk around camp, not even just with those two guys, but a couple different players and just front office personnel that Blake Walters is a kid that you need to start keeping tabs on, keeping an eye on because he might have been – the best pick of, the, of that draft class. I know that everybody's going to fixate on Blake Mitchell because he was the first-round pick, because he was a prep-hitting catcher, but they took two really good prep pitchers right after him and Blake Walters and Hero Wyatt. Uh, I didn't get the chance to ask about Hero Wyatt. I'm not sure uh, if he is down here just yet or if he's planning to report in a couple of days. It can be different on the minor league side of things, but Blake Walters, yeah, this could be the next big-time pitching prospect that we don't know enough about just yet
1: uh the latest acquis- acquisition um you know it's it's been interesting we asked you know a lot of the the royals front office members if they're not done or if they're done uh, making moves I, I think that was your question actually and um they said we're going to be opportunistic and then look what they did here this you know past couple weeks getting schreiber they obviously had to give up a young pitching prospect in david sandlin but you know now J.J. Piccolo said, you're getting a proven major league pitcher who has years of control, and that just goes along kind of with the theme that we've seen. We're, we're getting veteran guys, and I think that's what the Royals need right now. What does Schreiber bring to the team?
0: Yeah, this is a guy that had success in Boston over the last two years, and you know a guy that brings a different arm angle. He's at a three-quarter slot, so not completely sidearm, uh, kind of coming from you know a little bit up top but to the side. Uh, I think that brings a great angle. Um, at least if you're a pitcher, not so much for a hitter. And he was you know, a big-time strikeout guy uh, in 2022 for Boston. Last year took a little bit of a step back. The command dipped just a hair. Uh, the Royals still are looking over the course of what he did the last three years in Boston, and, and they're very pleased uh, with those numbers, and that's why they took a chance on him. They really wanted to round out this bullpen, make it a, the, as strong as possible with the resources that they had. It sucks to give up a pitching prospect like David Sandlin, However, it is for a reliever that's got years of control. And David Sandlin, as much as I liked him, I was very high on him as a prospect. He had just gotten to high A, and he was a college arm. And I think it shows the, the Royals' pitching development, the minor league pitching development, that it's starting to turn the corner. I mean, David Sandlin was an 11th-round pick out of Oklahoma and didn't have the best numbers. If it wasn't for a college World Series performance, I can't remember who it was against. might have been like a an NC State or something where David Sandlin, I think, threw eight innings and had double-digit strikeouts. I don't think he really gets recognized in the way that he does. His ERA was in the high five fives, and the Royals took a chance on him in the 11th round, developed him into what he was as a minor league pitcher, and they were able to flip him for a big league guy. And I go back to what Rex Hudler said a couple years ago when the Royals acquired Andrew Benintendi and traded away Khalil Lee in a three-team trade. And he said, you'll always trade a boy for a man. And, you know, John Schreiber is a man. And David Sandler is a boy. David Sandler could become a starting pitcher at the big league level. He could become an effective starter at the big league level. However, you never really know with prospects. It's all a bunch of guessing. It's projections. Until they get to the big leagues, it's all just hoping and praying that they become a a good big leaguer. And I think David Sandler could become that, but it's the fact that they don't know. And the Royals team this offseason has been about bolstering the 2024 roster in Kansas City. And then trying to piece together the minor league level as they go. They're they're tired of losing. They want to make this team the best possible version of itself, and fine tuning and stabilizing the bullpen is at the top of that list.
1: I have to ask you about the catchers because, as much as Salvador Perez told us a few weeks ago that he you know feels great and asked us how do I look, <laughs> such a funny guy. Uh, you know he's not going to play forever. So um, looking at you know several other catching prospects you've got one from right here in KC Mo from Park Hill High School Carter Jensen he looks like the youngest of the bunch but you know Tyler Cropley um, several other guys tell us uh, maybe who stuck out in that category
0: yeah Carter Jensen looked really really good and I, I wanted to make a point in coming down here to just sit down for two to three minutes four minutes and, and get his thoughts on being the youngest guy here in camp I mean he's 20 years old and there's a bunch of guys around there that are in their mid 30s with families and <laughs> and kids and stuff. And Carter Jensen, he's really, you know, held his own. I believe I, you know, saw the first uh, live, you know, one on one BP session when it was Daniel Lynch versus Carter Jensen and a couple other catchers. And Carter Jensen got blown away. I mean, I don't even think he took a swing in that at bat, and he struck out on Daniel Lynch. And then later on in the day they bring in Will Klein, who throws 97, 98, 99 miles an hour, will be in Kansas City at some point this year, assuming he stays healthy. He was the the Futures game representative for the Royals last year. So Will Klein, I mean, he's as close to the big leagues as you can possibly get. And he's just blowing it by a lot of these guys. Because Salvi wasn't hitting at that portion, so it was Sandy Leone, who they brought in a couple weeks ago. Tyler Cropley was hitting for a little bit. Logan Porter. Some of those guys were getting decent contact, but... Uh, most of them were swinging and missing. I mean, Will Klein's stuff is really nasty. It's going to play at the big league level. And here comes Carter Jensen, and, you know, after taking a big cut at one of them, you know, Will Klein just rears back and throws it, I probably think, a 100. It looked 100 off of his hand. I didn't have a radar gun on me, but it, it was it was firm. It was hard. And Carter Jensen just turned on it, and the ball exploded. So much so, John Sherman was another field, he turned around, noticed that everybody's kind of eyebrows raised, and we all looked around because – the ball went about 450 feet, uh, well over the the wall in right center field. There was a 375 sign. He cleared it by 40, 50, 60 feet, it wow. felt like. I mean, he absolutely tagged it, turned on it. And that's the, that's the, the torque and the explosion uh, that we've seen a handful of times at the minor league level for Carter Jensen. I talked to him about that, and he said he's just trying to put a good swing on the ball, but it's power that he's trying to tap into a little bit more. And I think there is some questions about where could he play in the future because uh, he is a catcher, and they just took Blake Mitchell in the draft. But he said he's open to, to moving around. Wherever the organization wants to wants to put him, he's going to learn that position. He's worked really hard at being a catcher, and he's worked hard this offseason at bulking up a little bit to add more power. But he's also open to changing positions if that's what it takes to move him up in the ranks. But really good kid, uh, easy to root for, and there's a lot of talent to like there.
1: All right. Infielders, uh, who's stuck out there?
0: I, I think, you know, you could circle back to Michael Garcia looking really good. But I, I always thought Michael was going to look great from the get-go because he spent so much time in Venezuela in the Winter League. And, you know, he excelled there. He looked really good there. So there's no rust uh, that he had to worry about. Uh, we got a, a little bit of a look at Garrett Hampson and Adam Frazier, new acquisitions from this off season. Of course, Bobby Wood Jr. I think I, I might go with Vinny, though. I might go with Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, he's somebody that – You know, he's really, really been excited for the start of the season, I think more than anybody, not to say that these other guys weren't excited for spring ball, but Vinny's been hurt the last two years. He's played in both those years. It's just been cut short, and you know that he's a guy that loves the game so much. It sounds cliche, but a true love uh, for the game and really wants to be out there, really wants to be here in Kansas City and just to be, you know, one of the main guys for this team that has expectation. He's a vibrant guy. He's a very personable guy, and he's a damn good hitter. And a couple of his, you know, batting practice rounds the other day, crushing the ball. Uh, shoulder looks fine, looks healthy, looks free and easy. Where last year there were a couple of swings that you could tell it was bothering him, it was nagging him a little bit. And if you get a fully healthy version of Vinny Pasquantino, uh, this lineup can really transform into something special.
1: And just to round out uh, the positions here, the outfield.
0: Um, I think I will go with. Hmm. I thought Kyle Isbell actually looked pretty good the okay. other day. I think his swing looks good. He looks bulked up a little bit. Um, I also think that, you know, Hunter Renfro has looked pretty good. You know about the arm. That's going to be a plus out there in right field. MJ's look good. I know I just named the starters. Uh, but all those guys uh, look in really good shape. It's the talk of, you know, the the best shape of my life. But what I've, I have noticed – Some of these guys have really bulked up. I mean, they they have definitely added on some weight in a good way. Uh, The strength there, the power there. Melendez looks bulked up a bit. As I said, Isbell looks bulked up a little bit. It's a group that I do think is going to surprise some people.
1: Okay, and then, uh, you know, yesterday, Jack, I'm I'm the social media manager here. I I think I've said that a few times on air, and I'm not sure I – like to admit that because you know any little typo or or anything now is gonna get pinned back on me but um you know sometimes i love to put out graphics and uh just just let people just have their way in the comments you know it's, it's kind of it's kind of funny yesterday i put out something just about uh you know the two world series opponents in 2023 were the rangers and the diamondbacks the records for those two teams in 2021 the rangers were 60 and 102 and the diamondbacks 52 and 110 mm-hmm. and so you know just telling the story that things can can turn around obviously a lot of factors in that and um money a big part of it and who can you go get those type of things but you know do the royals i'm not i guess i'm not i'm not saying that the royals are going to be in the world series this year or next year or even in 5 years who knows but Truly, do these offseason moves, do the guys that you're seeing out there at spring training, do they look like they can put a winning product on the field?
0: I think they do right now. It's obviously really early to tell. I, I'd much rather make projections and predictions for this team after spring training just to know who's healthy, who's all going to make the roster. Sure. Uh, but you know that this team is going to be much better than last year's squad. The bar is low, of course. You lose <laughs> 106 games. It's a lot easier to, to move up from that. But they're not just looking Uh, to be slightly better they're not looking to just win 68 games and say hey we we improved by 12 games that's good we're moving in the right direction these are guys that believe uh, they can win the division Uh, they are trying to compete for the american league central they want to make the postseason of course every team is going to say that but can you really say it with some oh you know extra oomph behind it can you actually say it and people to believe it now i think off the bat Many people aren't. They're going to say, no, why don't you just worry about being competitive first, then worry about a division title. Uh, But you can't really change their mindset right now. They're very motivated. They're ready to go. Uh, They're fired up. And I do think there is a winning team in there. It's also going to come down to the Central being as bad as it was last year because I don't think this is a a 90 or 95 win team, something like that. But if they get hot at the right time and they get in the high 70s, low 80s, mid 80s, you could be talking about a very uh, this fun summer of baseball in Kansas City.
1: And, of course, we found out today Eric Hosmer announcing his retirement. Have there been any chatter from anybody down in Royal Spring Training? Obviously, he's not a Royal anymore, but you yeah. got to respect what he was able to do for this club.
0: Oh, yeah, one of the legends, one of the icons of that 2015 team. Everybody remembers Hosmer, and he might have been the most recognizable face in one hell of a career. Uh, good for him that he knew when to step away, uh, and he's happy with his decision, you know, kind of moving into the media world now. I think he's going to kill it there. Uh, Didn't really have the chance to talk too much about it because I think as the media session concluded, that's when it came out uh, that he was going to be retiring. But good for him. Hell of a career. Uh, You know, he's an all-star. He's a World Series champ. He's a Silver Slugger, all-star MVP. Uh, The accolades go on and on and on. He was uh, such a, a good player for this city. He was somebody you could, you know, the kids looked up to model yourself after and and good for Hosmer and hope uh, a very good post playing career for him down the line
1: absolutely well Jack thank you so much uh last thing I've got for you you know you're down in Arizona you're hanging out with Seren Petro uh mm-hmm. have you guys had any fun besides you know being oh, yeah. out at the ballpark what are you guys up to down there
0: yeah we, we've had the chance to go to a couple uh cool restaurants in Peoria down here in Surprise enjoying the good weather and. And drinking a lot of beers—that's that, been—that's been the fun part about it. But uh, yeah, it, it's been a fantastic four days.
1: What's the uh, best thing you've eaten? I love food. I have to hear.
0: Uh, I had a chicken cheese steak at uh, a sports ball called Brookside. Very, very good, <laughs> and uh, strongly recommend if anybody comes down to surprise.
1: Okay, well, Jack, appreciate it. Thanks so much. I know you got a, a lot of other radio segments to jump on, so thanks so much for joining mine, and we'll talk soon.
0: Thanks so much, Bethany. Uh, glad to join anytime.
1: That was Jack Johnson. Thanks for your spring training updates, Jack. Next up on Sports Radio 810 WHB, Best of Royals Spring Training. We'll hear several exclusive interviews from the week down in Arizona. Stay right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB.